Welcome back to the Catholic Dating Podcast, the only podcast that combines dating advice with SAT prep. That's right, I have been reliably informed that I use not a small number of big words. Um, and I was like, really? And then I went back and listened to last week's episode and I used the words tenuous and acquiesce like within a span of 15 seconds. And I was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't really script these podcasts. Like I have a layout. I have a plan in mind of what I'm going to talk about. Um, but the verbiage is not pre-planned. Um, and so apologies for my loquacity, but hey, maybe you walk away with more than you bargained for. Thanks so much to those who have left reviews for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a five-star review on Spotify and a five-star review and or a written review on Apple Podcasts. You can also DM your feedback to at the Catholic Bachelorette um, or even um, on the hotline. So last week we talked about ways that dating can make you better, ways that dating can improve you, even if you're not getting the romantic results that you desire, you can walk away with some other kind of life skills or even relationship skills. And I asked people on Instagram after the podcast came out to share some of the things that dating has taught them. And these are a few of the responses that I've gotten. Uh, Self-knowledge, better understanding of the qualities that matter to me, how to communicate my feelings better and sooner, and be solutions-oriented in discussion. Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, Yeah, like, talking about how you feel (laughs) doesn't always come naturally. It doesn't come naturally to me. Like, I I feel it, but I just sort of keep it to myself. Um, And I think probably a lot of people do that and you know there's all these like armchair psychologists like on Instagram and TikTok who like will try to say like you have your attachment style and trauma and blah 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 and like I mean not to dismiss those things wholesale but like sometimes like things are just challenging it doesn't have to mean you have like trauma or like some kind of like problem like connecting with people on a relational level but it's just like a skill that you haven't fully developed. Just as, like, I mean, like, you know, to pick on myself with my, you know, apparently large vocabulary, it's like, you know, some people have a more, I guess, developed vocabulary. Um, The more words you know, the more specific, I guess, you can be about what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Um, You know, when you're a kid, you only know, like, the six colors of the rainbow, and then you get older and you learn, like, turquoise and chartreuse and mauve, you know, and then you can be more specific about what what you're... um, referring to. And it's like the same thing with, I think, emotions and feelings. It's like, it's just kind of a skill, you know, it doesn't have to mean you have like this deep seated trauma. Um, anyways, soapbox off. Um, someone else said clarity. It has helped me see clearly what I value and what I would, uh, rather avoid again, uh, friends and the male perspective. Okay. And I, and I'm sure maybe guys could say likewise, but yeah, sometimes the opposite sex is just sort of unfamiliar. You know, I, forget this all the time that like men just think a little bit differently from women um 
And, you know, I'm not someone who thinks that men and women are, like, so diametrically opposed that, like, we're just speaking past one another. But, like, men and women have very different ways of, I think, interacting with the world sometimes. You know, I don't want to, like, fall into tropes or or whatnot, but, like, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but, like, women, we have this 28-day cycle that our bodies go through, which really affects um, the way we feel about ourselves, the way we feel just physically, um, and just kind of, like, what our moods and desires are. Um, whereas men are on like a 24 hour clock, they're on a 24 hour cycle. So like, there's a lot more, I think, reliability, um, or I guess I should say like consistency, maybe I'm not trying to say that women are more unreliable, like, but we just, we just experience a, a range, a broader range of things. And like, you know, sometimes it's, that's kind of like one of the benefits of dating. And I think that's one of the benefits of dating, when you're at a younger age, I know that can be sort of controversial in like Christian circles. Like, is it bad to date? Like when you're in high school or whatever. And it's like, you know, I don't think you should be getting super, super serious with someone when you're in high school. Although I say this and like both my sisters married their high school sweethearts. So like (laughs) worked out well for them. Um, But like, I think there's just value in like getting to know the opposite sex um, and what makes them so opposite, I guess. Uh, and then someone else said to put myself out there, keep an open mind, be less judgmental, uphold boundaries. And another person said self-awareness, uh, what I do do and don't want in a relationship. Yeah. So you learn a lot. Um, and I'm curious, like with people who marry fairly young and marry someone, one of their, you know, very early or first relationships, like, did you have a sense of what you were looking for and you just found it young or did you just kind of like fall for someone with all like the sort of like woo like heightened exciting emotions of falling in love and then you were like oh wait yeah I think this person actually does have the the qualities that I'm looking for or or was it like years into your marriage and you were like oh I'm glad I chose this person because they actually have some good qualities like there's a little more than just being like cute and fun anyways that being said dating is not always sunshines and rainbows and full of like growth and self-improvement and all these things like there are ways that dating can kind of drag you down um it can definitely inflict some wounds and sometimes when I think about um you know those who do marry young I think in some ways you were spared a lot of heartache (laughs) you don't necessarily go into a relationship with as many, um, I don't know, maybe maybe fears based on past experiences. Because uh, I think the more relationships you're in before you find your person, like the more sort of baggage you can carry in with you. And so we're going to talk about some of those things today, you know, not to just so dwell on the negative, but I think it's important to share the harder parts of dating, especially for those who have been in it for a while and can kind of just feel really weighed down by it all. I think it's good to bring these things to the surface and like commiserate, relate, find people, um, you know, that just, you know, understand what you're going through. So let's talk about some of the downsides of dating. All right, I've got a special co-host that has joined me for this segment. So 
if you hear any strange sounds, they are not coming from me. They are coming from this uh, 14-pound wiener dog that has hopped up upon my lap. Yes, if, you, if you've noticed the, um, the artwork for this podcast, that is me with my dog and then my mom's dog that I was sitting at the time because dogs are proof that love at first sight exists. As soon as I saw my dog, I loved him. And I still love him. <laughs> um, okay. Anyways. He's licking me. Um, so let's talk about some of the downsides of dating. Now, just to kind of preface this, I'm not going to talk about the extremely traumatic and damaging experiences that can come from dating or relationships um, like abuse or sexual violence or something like that. Not because I'm dismissing those in any way, but like those are like categorically different from the things that I'm going to talk about that I think are more of like the kind of common experience. Um, You know, I'm definitely open to having a conversation about um, things like, like abuse and, and assault and violence, like in dating I, I don't think that I would be the person to do that all by myself. I would probably want to bring um, someone on to, to help me discuss that. But just to kind of like bracket out those um, really intense things and kind of focus more on the, the, the generalized woes of dating, I suppose. Now, setting aside like the really um, dramatically bad things that can happen or the really um, dramatically bad people that you can encounter... I do think, as I was saying before the break, like we can carry in a lot of these past hurts into present and future relationships. And I know for myself, like sometimes rather than starting out, um, you know, going on a date with someone or, or starting a relationship or something or something with someone where you're like full of like hope and excitement and like, you know, wide eyed and what do they say? Bright eyed and bushy tailed, all the possibilities. You're kind of like bracing yourself almost um, because you've had it happen so many times where either, you know, you're excited about something and then it doesn't work out or um, you discover something kind of like shady about a person and, and, it, and it just like tears your your view of them. Like you, you thought they were this great person. Then something comes out and you're like, Oh, Oh my gosh, I was totally blind to that. Or, or I can't, I can't believe that I didn't, I didn't see this coming. Um, and so it can kind of create this sort of almost paranoia or anxiety surrounding like all of your new dating encounters. Like you've been sort of like low level traumatized. Uh, and so then you're, you're just sort of bracing yourself for, for it to happen again over and over again. And this this kind of goes back to what I was, I was sort of joking about in the beginning about like people talking about, you know, attachment styles and da, da, da. And like that's like the buzzword right now to be like, oh my gosh, like I have anxious attachment style. And this stems from like my childhood when I didn't receive, uh, you know, consistent affection from my mom or dad or something like that. And it's like, I mean, of course that happens, but I think sometimes the explanation is is not even that deep. You know, if you think about people who've been like ghosted, for example, like they were they went on some dates with somebody, they're really vibing with them. And then all of a sudden they just like never hear back from them. And they, you know, they experience that kind of 
wound of being like ghosted, which is just a sort of unique form of rejection, um, they might then take that into future encounters where like they're texting someone and then they don't text back right away or they don't text back, they don't text them every day or they go a few days without texting or something like that. And then they like immediately go to like, oh my gosh, this person's leaving me. This person's like, you know, it's over. They hate me. They're rejecting me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't have to be from this like deep childhood place. It's just like from more recent past experiences where somebody blindsided you or anything's out of the blue or um, just totally fell off the face of the earth. Um, And so it's hard to like kind of release all of those past experiences and not carry them with you into each new date or each new relationship. I don't have the solution for that. I'm just bringing up the problems in this episode. (laughs) But this can relate to another kind of downside or, or challenge in dating, which is like this feeling of like hopelessness or disappointment or um, just sort of disillusionment where you've experienced repeatedly things not working out, things not working out, things not working out. And you say, well, why wouldn't the future be just like the past? It hasn't worked out in the past. Why should it work out again in the future? And I, and I think for women, there can be a particular aspect to this because it's not just the hopelessness about maybe not getting married, but also the hopelessness about like, maybe I'll never have children or or never have my own children. Uh, And and of course, that's not even a guarantee when you get married young. You know, I've known people who've gotten married in their early 20s and have, uh, you know, dealt with infertility. And, you know, so I don't like when people say like, oh, yeah, if you get married young, you'll have plenty of kids. If you get married older, you won't. It it doesn't, it's not quite so simplistic. Um, But I think that can kind of compound the anxiety maybe that a lot of women feel as they get older and are still single. And of course, guys experience that too. But it's it's just, I think, to a lesser degree, because, you know, even though a man's ability to father a child does decrease over time, it never completely falls off the way like it will for for a woman, like once she kind of gets into those menopausal years. And so those feelings of hopelessness, those feelings of disappointment can kind of take the fun out of dating sometimes. Um, You know, just as you're like bracing yourself for somebody to ghost you or reject you or turn out to be a creep, like you're also just kind of not allowing yourself to get your hopes up and get excited about someone because you know that the disappointment is so painful. Um, So you can almost develop like this sort of like blase attitude. And I think for Christians in dating, this can also carry over into a sort of like disappointment with God where it's like, has he not heard my prayers? Is he rejecting my prayers? Am I not only being rejected by potential romantic partners, but like almighty God as well? (laughs) And I, I don't think that's true. And I, and one of the things I love about scripture is how there are so many people who are kind of scorned by broader society. Um, but like the story shows that God has not forgotten them and that God has, has heard their prayer and God's going to come through th- for them. You know, you think especially about some of the women in the, in the Bible who were thought to be barren, who had children in their old age, you know, like Sarah um, and like Elizabeth in the New Testament or even like Hannah. I don't know that she was old, but she was barren. Um, I think the same for Rachel, the preferred wife of Jacob. 
but those like feelings of of hopelessness and disappointment and sometimes even carrying it over into a spiritual realm i think that can also then lead to the experience of envy and envy is certainly not a struggle that's limited to single people i think the comparison game is so prevalent whether we're talking about looks or financial success or social life or romantic life or just so many things. You know, it's easy to say like, why does she have this, but I don't? Or why does he get this, but I don't? Why is this so easy for them, but not for me? Um, and, and envy, is, it's such a dark, I don't, I don't want to just call it an emotion. Um, you know, I mean, I think you can have sort of a passing envious thought, but sometimes it can be a lot more persistent. And, and of course we you know, we, we categorize it as, as a, as a sin. Um, now I think it's important to distinguish between like envy and just like desiring. Like it's one thing to desire something that you don't have and wish you had it. And to see someone having something and and say like, I wish I had that too. Um, envy is more so when it gets into the realm of like not wanting others to have the thing because you don't have the thing, not wanting others to be happy because you're not happy. That's when it really gets into a dark place. But even kind of having those just emotions of envy bubble up, like before we're even bringing into the realm of like something sinful, I think, you know, that's such an unpleasant experience and can then lead to a lot of guilt. You know, there are all these kind of spiritual almost cliches that are told to single people like um and some of them are just downright false you know when people say like well god's not gonna give you a spouse until you're fully content in him and it's like you know i'm not i'm not denying the sort of premise that you should be fully satisfied in in god but at the same time it's not an if a then b situation it's not that god is waiting for you to be totally satisfied in him and then he will bring you the spouse. There are plenty of people who get married who don't even really know Christ and they find Christ later on or um, plenty of people who have been like walking with the Lord for years and experience a lot of fulfillment in their spiritual life but are still lacking that fulfillment in um, in terms of a, of a relationship. So I never like sort of simplistic explanations but I think that that guilt is is a common experience for Many of us who can see like so many blessings in other parts of our life and then we sort of beat ourselves up for saying, like, why am I not happy? I have all these things. Why am I focusing on this one thing that I lack? And it's a great opportunity to practice contentment in the midst of deprivation, to throw out another SAT prep word. Um, And one of the things that I did actually – following a season of heartbreak was actually really practice gratitude in a way I never did before. I always thought it just sounded so lame and cliche to be like, oh, practice gratitude. Like, yes. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, here, I'm, of course, like we should be be grateful, like, you know, but I think I always just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm grateful for all these things I have, but I don't really like think about it. But I actually did this practice of like writing down things that I was grateful for things that I um, enjoyed about my life or liked about myself or appreciated about the world around me. Uh, and I think it is good to do those very intentional acts of thinking and writing thoughts that go against the sort of negative narrative that's running through your mind. But, I, you know, I don't want this this discussion to be all about, like, what you should be doing and how you should feel. Like, I just want to bring up the things that, as a reality – 
many people who are single, many people who are in the dating world and, and have been in it for years are experiencing. They are experiencing hopelessness. They are experiencing envy. They are experiencing guilt for even being hen- envious and, and hopeless. You know, I just want to give voice to the reality of those struggles and of those experiences. Another way I think that dating can kind of harm us or damage us is by leading to a lot of like confusion and self-doubt. You know, a lot of people said, and I also said in the previous episode that dating has helped me be more clear about what I want and clear about what I'm looking for and clear about the qualities that would really make somebody a good potential spouse. Um, But I think if you, even if you have those in mind, but you are repeatedly striking out or repeatedly not finding somebody who has those qualities, you can start to doubt yourself a lot and say like, well, do I even know what I want? Do I even know what I should be looking for? And, And then kind of relating to doubt about like, are my standards too high? Am I looking for something impossible? And you can just sort of feel very confused. You know, there, there are some parts of, of dating that are confusing that really shouldn't be. Like a lot of people experience confusion over whether somebody they're seeing is truly interested in them, truly in, interested in a relationship, da, da, da. And, and that can be solved by people simply being honest about their intentions, honest about their goals, honest about their feelings. We, we definitely need more of that. But even if you're seeing people who are very direct or very straightforward, like you can still experience that confusion of like, I, I don't, how do I know when I found what I'm looking for? <laughs> how do I know that I know what I want? And you can sort of just get trapped in your own mind, which is like the worst place to be, honestly. <laughs> um, and that's why I think it's nice in dating to practice focusing more on the other person than on yourself in terms of like asking them questions, asking them what they think and feel about things, just really like turning the spotlight on 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 them in terms of like being curious about them and, and wanting to just get to know them because I think we can get stuck on like our own like, like we're with ourselves 24-7, so we, we know our thoughts and our feelings. We're just sort of spinning the wheel over and over again. And so it's, it's helpful to, like, practice focusing on somebody else rather than ourselves. Um, but I think, like, even if you're able to do those things in the moment um, or do those things with, with a particular person, it's like, well, if that ends or, or once you're back by yourself, like, those mental wheels can start spinning all over again, and that can be – a challenging cycle to break out of. And then the last way that I'll speak about, the last sort of negative downside or or way that dating can cause harm is it can lead to a kind of giving up. And I think that giving up can manifest in two ways. One, it can just manifest in like settling if you're just like, well, whatever, I'm just going to be with this person because I'm already this age and still haven't found somebody. So I might as well just pick this person because I don't believe there's anything, anyone better out there for me anyways. And even if there were, they wouldn't like me anyways. And so I'm just going to stick with this person, even though, you know, there's X, Y, and Z about them that I um, am not super fond of. And so you can have that problem of just settling in, in a relationship. And, and I, I don't like when people say like, this relationship isn't serving me because it's like, well, okay, <laughs> it's not just supposed to serve you. Like you're supposed to serve as well. But if we're going to take the supernatural perspective and look at marriage as not just like an economic arrangement, 
um, or or sharing of parental duties, but as like a sacrament that can sanctify you and bring you closer to God, you want somebody who is on that path already, somebody who already has a prayer life and is already trying to grow in virtue and is already able to practice a degree of self-sacrifice and things like that. And so sometimes we can settle for somebody because we're like, well, they have a job. <laughs> or or I think people can give up in the sense of they're just like, well, I'm just not going to date. I'm just not going to even pursue it. I'm just going to go and resign myself to a life of solitude where I'm reasonably happy enough because I'm surrounded by, you know, plenty of amusements with entertainment and cuisine and decent social interactions, which, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like you can't be happy if you're not in a relationship. But I think there's a difference between finding peace and happiness with where you are in life versus shielding yourself from the pain of rejection, disappointment. And so you're kind of settling for like a lower grade happiness, so to speak. I came across a clip of Ben Shapiro, who's like a conservative political commentator, who was saying like in marriage you have the highs are higher, but the lows are lower. And then once you have kids, the highs are even higher, but the lows are also even lower. And so I do think when you're single, uh, you know, and, and if like most other things in your life are going relatively well, the lows aren't maybe as low, um, but the highs aren't as high either. And so you're kind of just coasting at the sort of like baseline contentment, but you're not really casting out into the deep, so to speak, to have like a richer experience of life. Yeah. I don't know why I always get so philosophical. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's just my nature. Um, I think about things a lot. And even though dating can seem just sort of like a light topic and I certainly enjoy like trashy dating TV like The Bachelor or Love is Blind or um, other matchmaking shows, which I definitely, by the way, want to do an episode on all of the dating reality shows out there. Um, I still get into analytic mode and, and like analyzing like what are the patterns of human mating behavior and like what are people's underlying motivations and you know, why does these people end up with those people? <laughs> like, I can't escape my own analytical mind. So um, if you're like me, you're probably enjoying this. But if you're not like me, you might be like, girl, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> but again, that's why that's why I want this to have a, be a show that has a lot of feedback as well. So those are some of my thoughts on, like, kind of the downsides of dating, the ways that dating has um, left these scars that I have to still contend with on some level. Um, but I want to hear from you as well. So if there are challenges that you've really faced in dating or like lingering hurts that you've experienced in dating, send a message to the hotline or uh, a message to the Catholic Bachelorette on Instagram. And I will share those on the next episode. So we will take a little break here and then do some Q&A. <laughs> All right, so somebody asked, how to tell a guy that I have never dated much and I have never been kissed despite being 31 years old? 
Mm, the dog just jumped off my lap. All right, great question. First of all, I think this experience is more common than you think, um, whether we want to call it being late to love, I don't know, a late bloomer or something like that. Um, uh, a couple months ago, like before I even started this podcast, I had done a survey on my Instagram and I, it, I was asking the question to people like what they thought about like people who decide they want to save uh, kissing until engagement or even till marriage. Um, and, you know, people kind of shared their thoughts and, and they, and they were mixed, you know, some people were like, this is really important. Like I would definitely want to kiss somebody before we like got engaged. Um, other people were like, it's not really like at the top of like the most important thing. So I really wouldn't mind waiting. Um, but then another number of people wrote in to share how they were much older when they had their first kiss or how they were even in their late twenties or thirties and like still even hadn't had their first kiss. And so I just started sharing those stories too, because I thought that would be really helpful for, for people to see that they're not alone and that they're, they're not like the only one who lacks this like kind of dating experience. Um, and so if you go to my Instagram at the Catholic bachelorette, I think it's the first highlight on there. And it just is labeled with like a kissing emoji, <laughs> Um, but you can kind of scroll through there and, and get some stories. Um, but to your question overall, how do you tell a guy you've never dated much and have never been kissed? I don't think it's something that you have to like preface and make sure he knows before you guys go on a date. Like you don't have to say, hey, by the way, I'm really new to this. You, I mean, you can say that. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, but I don't think it's information that you must share as like a prerequisite. What I think would be helpful first for you is to kind of reflect on like the arc of your life thus far and not so much like be able to explain why you haven't had much um, relationship experience at age 31 in terms of like you have to make an excuse for it or you have to defend it or something like that. But I think it's good to be able to know for yourself like, well, what have you been doing with your time? Obviously, you know, I, I would imagine you've had a number of accomplishments or, or a number of experiences in your life apart from relationships. So it's not like you've just been sitting idly by like, uh, you know, who is it? Sleeping Beauty in the in the locked in the tower waiting for the prince to come. So I think it's good to be able to know for yourself and then to be able to one day explain to somebody else like whether relationships haven't been a priority for you because something else has been a priority or whether you had certain insecurities or, or certain anxieties or, or other things that you were working through on a more personal level before you felt ready to jump out into the dating scene. You know, I just think it's it's something that's good for you to like make sure that you kind of know your own backstory, so to speak. And then I think when it comes to like telling a guy about it, I think that's something that it's okay to kind of reveal in layers, you know? Um, I think it's perfectly fine, like, early on, um, and, you know, especially if we're talking about somebody who is, like, more of a stranger, like, not someone from your own circle that you're, you're going on dates with, um, to just kind of say, you know, I haven't really dated that much, rather than, like, spilling the whole story. And then as you get to know them more, as more trust builds, you can kind of 
reveal those other parts of your story, like, you know, kind of the why behind that. Um, and, and maybe it has nothing to do with a choice of yours. You know, sometimes we're single. Sometimes people are single because they have not received much romantic interest from other people or they felt kind of overlooked. And that can kind of be a, a painful thing to grapple with as well because it might not be you putting something off, but you sort of wanting something, but not feeling selected or not feeling chosen. And then as far as the the never being kissed thing specifically, I think revealing that depends on your comfort level. Um, if you're just like, I'm ready for it to happen. Let's go. Like the next guy wants to do it, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> then I don't know that necessarily has to be a, a conversation beforehand. But if it's something that you feel very apprehensive about um, or nervous about, or if it's something that you would really like to reserve for a higher level of commitment, then I think if you see things sort of going in that, that direction to at some point say, you know, hey, can I talk to you about something? Or, you know, I want to bring up something and, and get your take on it. Um, or can I share with you something that's kind of vulnerable for me? And just like raise the conversation and just kind of explain to them um, that that's the case. And then maybe explain to them what your expectations are or what your hopes are, what your fears are. Um, you know, it, it's funny because it's like in movies, like people just kiss. Like nobody talks about kissing. They just kiss, right? Um, and often like you have these scenes where it's like, like if it happened in real life, it would be like the most bizarre experience. But like you'll have like couples and like or these two people and they're like, maybe they're fighting or maybe they're doing something else. And all of a sudden they stop and they look at each other and they lock eyes and they just start making out and you're just like, it's supposed to be like, oh my gosh, it's so romantic. But it's like, if that happened in real life, you'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? So I think in real life, it's okay and it's good to be able to verbally speak about these things um, and not just wait for them to like happen. So those are some of my thoughts. Um, if you're somebody else who feels like you're kind of a late bloomer when it comes to relationship experience, I'd love to hear from you. I definitely want to do an episode at some point in the future um, just to kind of about this topic of whether it's never been kissed or lack of relationship experience. Because uh, I, I think it's a very unnecessary shame that people carry, but I think it is something that is, oh my gosh, he's licking the microphone now. This dog <laughs> this is my sign to wrap it up. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's something that is good to bring to the forefront because you, you'd be surprised how many other people are in the same boat. Um, and honestly, if the majority of men are anything like the men they are online. They're like kind of glad when a woman doesn't have a ton of uh, physical experience. Never mind. Yeah. All right. So thanks y'all for listening to the Catholic dating podcast. Um, there will be a vocabulary quiz next week. Stay tuned. <laughs>